Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the word. Now I want you to bless Pastor Stephen, the amazing man of God. Come on up, brother. Preach. come to preach. I got two pulpits today. Some of y'all ain't laughing. That's all right. Actually, not really what the Lord has put on my heart today for this. Uh, just let me get situated. Bear with me. Um, not really preaching. I want to just share some things with you, if that's okay. Amen? From the Word of God, of course. But today we're going to have fun today. We're going to have fun today. Channel your inner Bob Ross. We're going to have fun today. Just a pretty little message. Pretty little this. All right. Let's do go before the Lord. So come on, let's stand to our feet one more time. And we'll open our Bibles to our anchor text for this whole series. Psalm 128. Psalm 128, verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the, I'm sorry, behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. And if your Bible is open, just flip one page, maybe scroll the screen up to the chapter ahead, 127. I just want to just pick up at verse 3, right here in the same area. 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Lord, we come before you one more time this morning, thanking you for a wonderful sense of your presence in our midst. As we open your word, Lord, we just give you complete control to speak. Lord, our whole month long, we've been just talking about families, the family that you instituted all the way back in the garden in the beginning. And Father, I just pray that as this word goes forth today, it would en enrich every person that is listening, every single family that is represented in this gathering, as well as those afar. Father, let my words be your words, let my heart be your heart, let my mind and my thoughts be in line with you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. We submit to you, Holy Spirit, be in this place. We ask all things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. you may be seated today. So we're, we uh, are wrapping up the series of God's Family Portrait. We've had some fun. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Appreciate that. We've had some fun this, this month, and some people really were loving the uh, family portrait, so we had a few more that were submitted. Just wanted to have a little fun today. I think we have a couple to show you guys. It might take you a minute to recognize who this is. Yeah, that's Bill and Alicia, our awesome guitar player. Who else we got? Who is this? I believe that's the Gambino family. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who else we got? 
Oh, you got these guys. One more, one more. We always call our family portraits the, uh, oh, there we go. We almost call our family portraits the uh, Sears sample because none of us look alike. This is one of our online families, Rex and Connie Johnson. God bless you guys. Submitted that. They watch us faithfully in Tennessee. They were a part of my mom and dad's church in Ecorse. I remember them. We would all play together as kids. They were just an anchor family in the church, one of those people that would do a lot of things. And I remember they moved south. I believe it was for work, but are still in touch with us. And God bless you. Thank you for joining us. And so there we go. Got a few more that were uh, part of it. But hopefully you got a handout today. One of the ushers came and said we actually ran out of handouts. So if, if you have an extra one and maybe the person next to you doesn't, you might want to just hand it to them if you don't mind. Um, if not, you can, uh, if you are taking notes, you can do it on your, uh, just a blank piece of paper. But today, you know, so the pastor started the series talking about families in general. Then uh, he preached a message about the fathers. Brother Kavar last week preached a message about the mothers. And today we're going to be looking at all things kids. All things kids. So I wore one of my Father's Day shirts, Super Daddy-O, my mom, my, my mom, my wife got me for Father's Day. And I told the kids I'd wear it today. But um, we're going to talk about families. Families was God's design. Families are awesome. Families are awesome. You know, you look at a family, you got a dad. Dads are just always right. Come on, dads, let me hear you. Even if we're dead wrong, we're right. Even if we don't know what we're talking about, we act like it. Brothers, let me just tell you, it's okay to say I really don't know. <laughs> and then we got moms. Moms are there to bring the nurture of the home. Moms are there to make sure everybody feels okay. Has everybody got fed? My mom's always telling me to have a banana or have a piece of fruit at 40-something years old. Mamas just do that. Mamas do the other thing that God gave them privilege. How many know about the finger, how many know about the finger thing on the cheek? I don't know if moms still do that, but my mom was a finger licker. I'd be going to prom. Come here. That's what moms do. You know, they do that. And then kids. Kids, kids are like Sour Patch. My wife and I always joke. Kids are like Sour Patch. You ever see that commercial? They're sweet, then they're sour, then they're sweet. There's a candy out there. For some of y'all don't eat candy, there's a candy out there. That's their slogan. But that's how kids can be, man. Kids can be. So I begin to think about what it was like having, we have four kids, for those of you that don't, don't know. We have four kids. And I remember in our early days, you know, we were here planning a church and working a job and raising a family, four kids relatively close in age. But I remember those days, man. I remember those days. One of my favorite things to do was early in the morning on my way to work, up three or four o'clock in the morning, stepping on a whole bunch of Legos down the hallway. That was my favorite thing to do. I mean, forget about missiles and landmines. Throw some Legos out there. You're going to take out the whole army of the, the bad guys. I'm telling you. Have you ever stepped on a Lego at three o'clock in the morning with no socks or shoes or nothing? You know what I'm saying? I remember those days. I remember one day I got in to put my boots, and I put my boots on, and man, something didn't feel right. And I looked, and one of my boys had put race cars and all of my shoes and all of my boots. I mean, it'd go on and go on and go on and go on. Come home at the day, my wife would be there raising the kids. And she, I mean, listen, it, you have four young kids at home, you just imagine. She'd be like, tag, you're it, I'm out. <laughs> That's just the way that it was, you know, and, uh, especially in those early days. And I, I had an older uh, friend who had raised a family. He would say, you know what, Steve, you're going to miss these days. <laughs> say, I don't think so. I'm out here breaking my car door and trying to vacuum and, and keep things in order. But now that I'm 
older and my kids are older. My oldest is turning 21 next month. It's crazy for me. And then uh, 18, 17, and then my youngest just turned 14 this week. So we're kind of, our season of life is changing and it's, your relationship is changing a little bit. And um, it's just amazing to see. But I thank God for a family. I thank God for family. And then they turn into teenagers. I heard a comedian say that teenagers are God's revenge on mankind. You create, an, you create a person that looks and acts like you that denies your existence and says that they know more than you because you're the one that created them. That's pretty much like it. So you got little seven, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds. I'll give you the, you may feel frustrated, may have a lack of sleep, but this is as easy as your life's ever going to get as a parent. Let me just tell you right now. <laughs> Let me tell you, embrace it. Embrace the season that you're in. So today we're going to be looking at this scripture. And today the title of the message is called Children Cultivate Until Capable. A little shout out to my wife for helping me come up with this title. Children Cultivate Until Capable. So let's look at a couple of these definitions that are here. To cultivate means to prepare and work on in order to raise crops, okay? To prepare and to work on. Capable means having power and ability, being efficient, and being competent. So what we're going to talk today, I'm going to share some stories from my life, some stories from the scripture, and hopefully it's just something to just help you and equip you. But this is our role as children. We are to cultivate them. We are to prepare them. We are to work on them. We are to get them ready so they are at a time and a season where they are capable in life. They have the ability to do things. Back last year... um, uh, Hulu did a special called The Parent Test. And if you, anybody by chance watched this special? By any, any, a few people? Okay. If you didn't know about it, that, you know, this was just secular society. They did a, um, a test. They had, they had, I believe it was 12 different families that had different parenting st- styles and different family dynamics. And they were documenting the journey of their children. What was working? What was not? What was, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. Th- this caught my attention because even the world is crying out saying our families are just out of order. Something's wrong. Our families are under attack. Our families aren't working. They're, this next generation is coming of age where their children are having children of their own or their children are getting older of their own. And they're realizing that, wait, something is different than when I grew up. Something is different in our nation. But unfortunately, we're reaching to the wrong areas and the wrong sources for advice and for counsel. What does the Bible say? Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Unfortunately, they're all around us. So let me encourage you today. Even before we started having kids, my wife and I were, were, were huge into training for parents. We, we had a lot of resources. I'll just give you some. Focus on the Family is a wonderful resource. Now taken over by Jim, uh, da- Jim, Jim Daly. It's a wonderful resource. They have many great books. James Dobson, who founded that, retired and started another organization that's just as powerful. Uh, the James Dobson and Family Institute. He's got some dynamic books on how to raise boys, how to raise girls, how to raise children. Kevin Lehman is another one. He's a wonderful family uh, doctor, family therapist who's got some great material. If you're a younger family, let me encourage you to get some help because the help that you're going to get from society doesn't line up with the word of God. The help that you get from the public school system, no offense to anyone, it's not coming from the word of God. Your family needs help and assistance from the word of God in order for it to make it today and for generations to come. Amen? So let me encourage you to walk in the counsel of these men and women of God. They will steer you in the right direction. But looking into it, there are four major buckets of parenting. You ready? Here we go. Number, number one, it's authoritative. Number two, authoritarian. Number three, permissive. 
Number four, uninvolved. Those are, according to the, the uh, Psychological Institute, I believe it was America, those are the four big buckets. In those buckets, we have subcategories like the helicopter parent or the suffocating parent or the absent parent. You have child-led homes, child-led parenting. I Figure that one out. You have all this stuff that has happened. Now, listen, I know when it comes to kids, everyone has different opinion. I'm not here to try to tell you the details, the ins and outs of how to raise your kids, but I am gonna give you some principles from the word of God that are proven time and time and time again. So listen, as, as today you may see some, uh, the second week, pastor preached half of my message on fathers, and so I went a different way. Last week, Kavar preached the other half on another second. So the Lord is just moving this thing. It's very fluid today. But listen, whenever you talk about the things of family, in, in a month long, there's gonna be some things that kind of crisscross, and that's okay. Yeah. But also, I am very, very much aware that you do, maybe by accident, def- um, go around certain people. You may feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a single adult. I don't have any kids. How does this apply to me? I'm not a mom yet. I'm not a dad yet. Maybe my kids are old and grown and gone. I, listen, if I have time and I'm trying, I'll go as fast as I can. But I believe the Lord gave me something very special for you because I believe family is more than biological families. Did you hear what I said? Family, the concept of mentoring, the concept of raising children and training children is not just biological and I'll get there in a little bit later. So in, in the passage here, he talks about the plant. Let me just talk about plant versus a tree. See, a healthy tree grows from a healthy plant. If you plant a little sapling, a little tiny tree seed, it's not gonna make it on its own if it's broken right off the bat, if it's, if it's plucked up right off the bat. A little tree has to be cared for for it to grow into a big, healthy tree. He likens them to olive plants around the table. Now I brought with me today in my table of fun here, a little plant. This is not an olive plant, it's from Ikea. (laughs) I I wasn't that deep this week. But we do have a picture, I do believe. So on one side you have a beautiful, wonderful olive tree. Aren't those the coolest looking trees? I tell you what, they are just the coolest tree. This beautiful tree that, that they can live thousands of years, they're old, they start in a little pot. In fact, a lot of people will raise indoor olive plants if they live out of the environment. You see, olive trees, as powerful as they are, as big and strong as they are, they're very delicate trees, especially when they're little. And, and, and I'm digging into this psalm, man, this just really, really makes sense when we're talking about children. But listen, the olive tree is symbolic to the Jewish people. It wasn't by coincidence that he just, he just picked something out of the air. Olive pits have been discovered that date back over 6,000 years. Isn't that pretty cool? Israel has over 81,000 acres of olive orchards. They produce over 16,000 tons of EVOO. What's EVOO? You got it. Some Rachel Ray fans out there. Nearly 50% of the land is devoted to olive growing. Isn't that crazy? So the olive tree, the olive plant, they're going to call this olive plant. So the olive plant in the Jewish culture, it represented livelihood. It represented industry. It represented a good family legacy, much like a vineyard, much like flocks or cattle. This represented wealth. It represented a job. It represented, you know, income. But it also represents blessing. It also represents peace. It also represents longevity. And those are three things that God wants for your family. He wants your family to be blessed. He wants your family to have peace. 
in it. And he wants your family to have longevity in it. He wants you to be in church. He wants your children to be in church. He wants your children's children's children to be in church. You see what I'm saying? This is all found in this psalm, and I can't wait to unpack it. But the olive tree is strong and beautiful, but it is very delicate, like I said, when it is young. Plants are very fragile and require a lot of time, a lot of attention, and a lot of dedication. A lot of times we just kind of give up on it and it dies and we wonder what happened. So we resort to buying these Ikea ones. They look great all the time. I haven't watered this in three years. Look at that baby. Woo! It's right, nice and green. I put a little Febreze in it and you come into my office, you think, wow, what is that, an olive tree? Mm -hmm. It's so easy to fake it. And I'm not going to preach, but what we do on Sunday mornings when we get our crusty, rusty self that ain't been in the Word all week, we come in here, spray. I, I, we're going to rewind that. This, this, is, this is friendly today. But you all know what I'm saying because, listen, we're all children of God. So every time I talk about children in the home, don't be imagining your toddler running around or your teenager. Be reminded of that we are children of God. And so when our children do things to us that frustrate us, what do we do to our Heavenly Father? And why should we expect any different from our offspring here on the earth? All right. So listen, there's a couple of things that we see in this psalm. This plant, first of all, it has to be in a properly sized container. How silly would this be if I put it out, look at that, if I pull it out and put it in a giant planter? How silly would that be? Or if I tried to you know, break it apart in my hand, it would, it would be silly. But it has to also have the right soil conditions. See, a real plant has to have soil in it. A real plant has to have water. A real plant has to have sunlight. I could put this in a back room for three years and bring it out. It'd look just like this. But a real plant needs nourishment. Your family, your children, your descendants need nourishment. Can we finally get rid of the saying that children are to be seen and not heard? If we keep shoving our kids into the back room and into the backness of our life, then when they get to a certain age and want nothing to do with us, why are we surprised? You see, the psalmist said they need to be around your table. I'm going to get ahead of myself. All right, let's keep going. So listen. As a good gardener cares for his plants to provide for a future, so should the parents prepare for their children in their life ahead. If, you're taking, if you've got the notes, there's just a couple of parenting tips that make sure you don't fall asleep. I'm not trying to come up with anything new. I just want you to be interactive. So the first one is this. See your children as gods and not your own. Don't see them as gods. See your children as belonging to God. Because some of us will do that. Well, I've seen that. I've experienced that where the child runs the family and he is worshipped. She is worshipped in that family. Don't do that. See them as gods and not your own. Understand that those children have been given to you from the Lord temporarily. They are eternal beings and God has entrusted you to take care of them. So here's some tips in this psalm. Ready? Here we go. The first one is position, like I said before I got ahead of myself. He said that they are like olive plants positioned around the table. Do you remember the kids' table? Do you remember being at the kids' table? The kids' table was the, the lopsided table that wouldn't, it would just wobble, wiggle. We had the paper plates when everybody else had the nice china. We had the paper cups. We had the Fago drink when everybody else had Pepsi. You know what I'm saying. And you get that one sibling that's just six months older than everybody else, and they get to go to the adult table a little bit early, and what, they just be eating their food, looking at you, scoffing. You know what I'm talking about? And that's what I was saying earlier. So many times we take our children and we just, we let them be an afterthought. We let them be, oh, that's mom's job. Come on, man. Or, oh, that's just dad's job. 
And we shove them out of our life. We shove them and then all of a sudden we want to get to a certain place in life and they want nothing to do with us. But the psalmist said, you positioned them around your table. Yeah, they might make a mess, but let them sit at your table. They might spill the milk, but let them sit at your table. Make a place for them in your life. Make a place for them in your walk with God. Make a place for them when you sit around your table with your wife and engage in them in conversation. Engage in them. Positions and photos are everything. If you don't believe me, do this with me. Everybody take your phone, put it down on your lap like this, open your camera, some of y'all know what I'm doing. Open your camera and look down at it. Take a picture of that. Would you put that on Facebook? Just getting my church vibe on. Where are you at, the first assembly of the walrus? You know what I'm talking about? You wouldn't put a picture like that. Positioning is everything. You know, every family's got that one person that loves to take pictures but can't. They got a finger over the lens. The thing's cockeyed. They catch you at a real un ugly time. It's out of focus. Well, back in the day when we would take these portraits, they were done by a professional. And those professionals would come in, and that was their job, man. And our, our church was in the hood. They had fundraisers every three months. We were selling something. And we had pictures probably three times a year. I got, my mom's got 20 of those things. And I remember there's a story of my, of my cousin because all the good church people had to get their picture family portraits too. And my cousin's family, they had three kids. And so we, all, we still joke about it to this day. They had a, uh, one of our photographers came in. He had a lot to do. He was real busy. He was kind of rude. And he was positioning everybody. You know, he was, mom, sit here. Dad, sit here. You stay here. And then it wasn't right. And he came back behind the kids and he was doing it from behind. You know how we do, mom and dad. You're going to stand here and do it. Well, back in those days, we had this sweet haircut that was a little short up here. But it was nice and long back here. Business in the front, party in the back, we used to say. And his hair was thick. His hair was almost as luscious as mine. But his hair was thick. And so when the photographer was moving, he bumped his hair and put the whole shebang right here next to him. And went back and said, don't move. So nobody moved. So he went back and he hit the little thing and took a picture. And to this day, their family portrait has a big hunk of hair sitting right here. He might be watching us. If you got that picture, post it, man. But that's what positioning does in a photo. The photographer can make you see whatever he or she wants you to see. But position is everything. Some years ago, my wife and I, we uh, decided to go all out and plant some flower gardens in our front yard. We just went all out, man. We went to Lowe's, got a whole bunch of money, or spent a whole bunch of money on these plants. How many know that stuff's expensive? Landscape is expensive. We went out there and she picked out some bricks she wanted me to make a border with and a shovel. And I've spent like a whole three or four day weekend out there putting in these two flower beds. Man, we just grabbed any flower. We, oh yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's pretty. That's just no rhyme or reason. Just, we just love this, we love that, we love that. And, and planted everything, all that hard work went by. And I began to notice that after a short time, some of these plants started to shrivel up and die some of these other plants begin to just shrink little by little. We're talking about position. We're talking about how it's important to be in the right position. Well, lo and behold, I didn't quite realize that these plants come with a little tag that tells you how much treatment it needs, how much water it needs, how much light it needs, how far apart it needs to be from the sibling. How, how what, you know, the, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't really, I looked at those tags and like, yeah, I didn't put much thought into it. Well, I didn't realize that half of our plants were in direct sunlight and needed to be in shade. So they were beautiful and they were wonderful, but they weren't in the right position. They weren't in the right place. 
Some of them died and lost the money. Others I was able to dig up and plant in the backyard where there was shade, and they're flourished to this day. They're still in, in one of my backyard gardens. Positioning is everything. One of them was that we had this one flower that was beautiful, but every morning I would get up and notice it got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until one morning I was up really early and I was going to work and I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. It was a big old fat bunny rabbit that was having dessert every morning on that plant. And I'd get close to it and it would have little bite marks on it. All the flowers were taken off. Little did I know that that plant needed to be in a pot a few feet off the ground. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. So many times we do that with our children where they're not in the right place. Listen, God has given us parental insight, but your children don't come home from the hospital with a little tag. Yeah, they'll give you some formula and some diapers and some whatever, but you don't realize that this little child is a human being with a temperament, with likes and dislikes, and, and they don't tell you that he's going to get up at a certain time because he doesn't like this formula or he's too hot. It took our oldest son, Joshua, my goodness, the kid would scream all the time. We didn't know why. He was just one of those hot-blooded kids, but we just, what did my wife do? Put more blankets on him, thought he was cold. He would be sweating until finally one day we figured it out. You know, he didn't come with one. It's very hot. Don't cover. He didn't have a tag. Your kids don't have a tag like that. So you've got to just take a minute and realize what your kid is doing and not doing to find out, wait a minute, he doesn't do good in this type of environment. I need to move him. Wait a minute, she isn't doing so good. There's some rabbits taking her petals. I need to get rid of those rabbits or I need to move this person. Positioning is everything. Listen, in order for you to set up your kids for success, they need to be in the right position. So the second thing is he said they're in a pot. I don't know about you, but I have yet to just throw down a pile of dirt in my living room and put a flower in it and just leave it right there in the living room. Maybe y'all, some of y'all do that. But what do we do when we put them inside? We put them in a pot. We put them in a beautiful little pot. What does this little pot do? It does a few things. Number one, it speaks of decoration. It speaks of decoration. And mom does a, she does that because your dirty face represents her and her family and she wants you to look the best you can do. She wants you to look the best you can be. When your, your boys get to a certain age, you gotta tell them, listen, that ax spray isn't the same as a shower. You gotta get in there. I love my boys. I have three boys and one girl. I try not to name names, but it's pretty hard if I share a story about my daughter. I got one girl. And I do got a story, so just hold tight. She's joining us today from college. But listen, weeds grow in cracks. Did you ever notice that? You don't have to do a blessed thing for them weeds to grow. Not a blessed thing. Weeds grow in the most unwanted, undesired places. You know why? Because they're uncultivated. They're untreated. If you don't plant something good there, something bad is going to grow there. If you don't cultivate your children, something bad is going to grow. If you're afraid to give your children direction, something bad is going to grow. If you don't bring your children to a right place, a right environment, the house of God, the, 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 the situation in your home, something bad is going to grow. Ain't no good come from weeds. They're ugly. They die early. They, they prick your hand. You ever try to pull some of those up? I got a glove just for the certain weed in my yard. That's personal. I think the devil planted it because it comes back every year. Big old furry thing. I pull that thing up. Guess what? Next spring, here he comes like a big demon. So I got my big glove. Then I got a stick with, with a metal on it. And I, mm. Anyway, listen. Plants need time and water and sun. We already said that. But he says this. He says that they are around the table. There's a proverb. Let's read this Proverbs together. Proverbs 27. If we have it, I think we have it on the screen. Proverbs 27. It says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. 
For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing, and the goats the price of a field. This is what that means, guys. Treat your kids well because they choose your nursing home. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. This is what this means. He said, because you need to know the condition of your flocks, that way when you're old, they still produce milk. That way when they're old, they still provide an income. When you're old, they still provide. So in other words, this, if you want a healthy adult relationship with your children, you got to fertilize it when they're young. And the younger, the better. It's never too early to tell your kids about God. It's never too early to tell your kids about the Holy Ghost, the baptism. Yes. It's never too early to show your kids how to pray. It's never too early to show your kids how to worship. It's never too early. Man. This is why so many times as parents, we feel like we don't need to address this situation, especially when it comes to things of the world. By the time you think your kid is ready to understand something, especially of the sexual nature, by the time you think that time has come, they already know it. I guarantee it. My wife and I were very intentional with our children. I want to be the one to introduce you to that whole world. Because I'm going to introduce you to that world when it's not dirty, twisted, perverted. I'm going to introduce you to the world that God created because God did create sex and he created you as a sexual being. You be intentional because if not, some, in that little area of their heart, weeds are going to grow. Perversions are going to grow. I did this ain't in my notes. All kind of stuff is going to grow because you, maybe you didn't cultivate that area. I know it's a weird thing. I gave my kids a code word, especially my boys. I would say, all right, we'll talk about anything. But when you get overwhelmed, just say, okay, I'm done. And so sometimes they would. We start talking about something, I would answer their questions in a very mature way, but I would answer the questions, okay, Dad, I'm done. So, okay, all right, we'll pick up this conversation at some other time. But listen, another family tip be present. Know the condition of your flocks. You can only know them by spending time with them. You can only know with them by spending time with them. They might be in your house, but the people on the other side of that mic and that game that they're playing knows all about them, knows what they like, what they don't like, what they wear, what they don't wear, what they eat, what they don't eat, and you don't know anything but their name. Be present. And when I mean present, I mean be physically present and emotionally present. You don't have to constantly check the scores of the game, brother. Turn it off. You don't have to be constantly doing that puzzle on that app, maybe it's time to turn it off and be engaged with your children. Physically and emotionally, be present. It's great that you showed up for the game, but at the game, don't be off under a tree talking to somebody. Be there rooting your child on. I, I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do. I'm just trying to share with you some of the things that I've done wrong and wish I did better and vice versa. But let me encourage you to be present. How do you spell love to a kid? T-I-M-E. The kid don't care how much money you make. So they want to buy Nikes and you know all this stuff. But when your kids are little, and I'm kind of, I mean, that's where I'm hitting right now when they're little, they don't care how much money you make. They don't care if you have a desk or a job title. They just want to know, are you going to come home tonight and have dinner and then we can watch TV together? Or we do this together, do that together? That's how you love your child, spending time. All right, let's keep going. They need to be around your table and your table needs to be in the house of the Lord. Okay, the next little note, if you're writing notes, another tip, pray about their gifts or their place in life. Already, even, even before they're born, 
Pray for that child. Pray for that child's livelihood. Pray for that child's traje trajectory course. Pray for that child to, to, to grow and to just constantly be praying for that child in the future because they're not always going to stay seven. They're not always going to stay 13. Take that as an encouragement. They're not always going to stay 14 and 15. You have to understand that, okay? Listen, you have to see them when they're fully grown. When you plant a garden in your yard, you don't just go willy-nilly planting stuff or they'll die. You have to be looking down the road. Okay, if this tree grows three feet wide, then I have to make sure it has space around it because right now it's this big, but in two or three years it's going to be this big. Or maybe right now it's only this tall, but in two or three years it's going to be six, seven, eight feet tall. I need to make sure it's got room to grow. You understand what I'm saying? That's what it means when we raise our children. Already be identifying. It's proven that by the age of five, that child's personality is 100% developed and its concept of God is 100% developed. Did you know that? That's usually when we just get them to River Kids. By the age of five, they've already determined who God is in their life. Where? Based on mom and dad. That's statistically proven. By the age of five, their personality, I would even argue it's younger than that, their personality is already there. My kids, all four of them, came out with personality. All four of them. That's just the way that they were. <laughs> Your child already has personality. You'll miss it if you're not dug in. But you need to pray about that. You need to pray about that. I love the scripture that we always quote, train, uh, train up a child in a way he should go when he's old, he's not depart. We know that story. I love how the NIV says it. He says it like this. Start off a child in the way he should go. I love that. Start off a child. If you're in this place, you can start your child off. Now, there's always been some debate. Is he talking about salvation? Is he talking about a livelihood and that sort of thing? I think it's a little of both. Your children need to have spiritual foundation, but they also need to have a practical foundation. What is your children doing when they're little? You, find, you need to encourage that. If they're creative, encourage that. If they are intellectually smart, encourage that. If they have a hunger for God, encourage that. You need to just be understanding that they're two, three years old on that iPad watching stuff, but their little brain is developing. Their little mind is going. You need to take a moment and watch what they're doing and encourage that and discourage the bad stuff. We'll talk about that maybe in a minute. But listen, this starts with you, mom and dad. Listen, if they have to be 16 years old to drive, 18 years old to vote, 21 years old to drink, why do we allow them to make life-altering decisions when they're seven? Amen. Amen? We've got a society right now that says if your child wants to do a certain thing or be a certain way, they're six and seven years old, they don't even have the intelligent thing to understand to wash your hands before you eat because you have germs on your hands. Well, I can't see those germs, so they must not be there. Okay, go mutilate your body. Wake up. Like the missionary said two weeks ago on Wednesday, American church needs to wake up. We're asleep, and these poor children are suffering for it. When they need an adult in the room to stand up and say, listen, you're having these thoughts, these feelings, and I don't discount that. I know that a lot of, a lot of things happen mentally and emotionally, but I could cut all the apples off my apple tree, and I could staple pears to every branch. It doesn't make it a pear tree. Amen? All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Another thing is you're going to have pests in the family like I talked about the rabbits. You need to understand something about your children. If your children, and again, I'm trying to kind of be practical today. I'm not trying to preach a sermon, but I'm trying to be practical today. You need to understand that your children all have tendencies, okay? And they will match up with other kids with the exact same tendencies. If your child has a violent nature, they're going to find a violent kid. It could be kindergarten. They're going to find that kid. Your child might have a sneaky nature. Some of y'all are sneaky kids. You just need to know it. 
you got a sneaky kid, guess what? They're going to find another sneaky kid. Your, your kid maybe is sexually aware, very young. They're going to find a pervert that comes from a pervert family. And the kid, no fault of his own, that's how he was raised. You mark my, that's how it happens. You find a nerdy, you find an intellectual child, they will find other intellectual people. You find a, a child that likes sports, they'll find another, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? So you need to be aware, like, you know what, my child is prone to this, I need to be aware. You know, raising three boys, especially when they were young, I had to hold the remote. Because there were things, because, you know, my wife and I would talk and she'd be like, you know, as a, as a man, we're wired a certain way. Can I just say that? I'm not trying to hate on anybody, but men and women are different. And it's more internal than external. Men and women are wired differently. And so I would have to hold that remote when certain shows and things would come on. Because things that maybe my wife would be like, I didn't even realize that. Because, you know, she's not wired that way. I know what a six-year-old boy sees when he sees that. I know it gets quiet, but I'm trying to help some of y'all. Because when they're 13, then they got their laptop in the back room doing some things they shouldn't be doing. Because, oh, they're just kids. They're not paying attention. Yes, they are. Oh, yes, they are. And what you're doing is you're feeding that weed. You're feeding that weed in the crack. When God is saying, I don't want no weeds. I want warriors. I want people that are going to stand up and be counted. I want people that are strong in their faith. Because you got to do it, mom and dad. you got to do it. I love this psalm, Psalm 119.11. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart. What else is in the pot? Soil. What is soil? It's an environment. It's an environment. An environment. How is your environment at your house? Is it a godly environment, you'll produce godliness. Is it a religious environment, you'll produce religion. Is it a secular environment, you'll produce secularism. Is it a whatever environment, that's what you're gonna produce in your children. You need to have good soil. It might be dirt, and you might not realize, yes, there's different dirt. Certain plants need certain types of soil. And you wonder, it took me forever to learn that I had certain plants that would die every time I planted them. They were healthy. Well, later after doing research, I realized my soil is sandy and they need more enriched dirt. So I had to get different dirt. And all of a sudden they grew just fine. Your home matters more than what you may realize. It's not just a place to sleep and eat. It is the place where your family is being raised. Can I encourage you to cultivate that soil in your home? Can I encourage you to put some scriptures on the wall if you can? Can I encourage you to monitor what comes in through the radio and the TV? Because you want to maintain that environment. Your kids are not raised in this building. Your kids are not raised on Wednesday nights. Your kids are raised in the pot at home. Your kids are raised in your home. All right, let me keep going. I, I, the next thing is to, to prune. And I, I'm, I'm going to try to hurry because I do believe the last part's going to be really good. You got to prune. It's never fun. I think I lost one. Oh, here's one. So I got this little, got my pruning shears. I like to use these for, I'm going, I'm cutting grass, you know, I have to reach down. And you can just prune it just a little bit. You all know about this. But every plant needs maintenance. You got to water it. You got to, you got to give it sunlight, but you also got to prune it. If I ruin it, I can spend 350 at Ikea and get another one. <laughs> what is pruning? It speaks to discipline. Everybody just got quiet. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to, brother. I'm going to show you some things from the Word of God, and you pray about how you're going to do your family. But listen, every healthy plant has to go under some kind of pruning. Pruning is discipline. It's the, we don't like it. It's not fun. It's not exciting. It's boring. And in fact, no one really knows how to do it. You just start cutting everything until it looks good. Well, it might look good to the eye, but you just killed your plant. There's a, a, a British gardener I like to watch. His name is Monty Don. If you're, if you're anxious and want to go to sleep, just put on some Monty Don videos. He just talks real sweet. He's like the Bob Ross of gardening. 
Well, he goes to these people's home and they got these overgrown yards and he just helps them. And one of the things he does is he prunes and he whacks them. He does this, that sort of thing, that sort of thing. And it works when they're little. When they're little, you know, you can just, Johnny, don't do that. Sally, don't do that. I don't even think those people name those anymore, but whatever. And we're, we're going, to, you know, we do that. Well, what happens if we don't do that and they grow into this weird looking tree, then we got to bring out the big guns, unfortunately. Now, this one requires a little bit more strength, a little bit more. Listen, save yourself some grief and don't let it get to that point. Keep it to this point. One of the things on his shows is, is over there, they use a lot of greenhouses. And he went to this one guy's house, and he had a greenhouse in his backyard, and he had some plants planting. And, and he went over there, and, and uh, he said, oh, you got all your windows and doors shut. He said, you need to open those windows and doors. And the guy looked at him kind of strange. What are you talking about? I thought I was here to protect the plants. He said, no, 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 you're overprotecting them. Open the doors, open the windows. He said, because if you don't allow that plant to have some resistance, it will die or be uh, stunted in its growth. And I thought, man, that is so true when it comes to raising. Listen, let your children, create a safe space for your children to fail. What I mean by that is let them live out the consequences of their decision. If you got their money, this is a big one. You got their money and they want to instantly run to 7-Eleven and blow that $10 on popping chips. You can tell them, no, save your money, save your money. Some kids have to learn by going to blow their money on pops and chips, and the next week when you go to Frankenmuth, they have no money to buy souvenirs. And then you say, oh, you know what? I should have saved my money. What I mean by that, guys, is we can't bubble wrap our kids. What happens is we create entitled, manipulative people. Somebody's going to tell your kid no. It's better if you do when they're six and seven than the police officer when he says, hands on the hood. Because somebody's going to correct little Johnny eventually. Let it be you. Let it be me. I tell my kids this all the time. If you don't learn this lesson in this house, you're going to learn it, but it's going to be a lot harsher out there. Let me help you as the gardener. Let me just take these and do this before the police or before society comes and has to use the big ones. I know it's quiet. I, I know that. I know that. But can we raise, listen, can we allow our children to have the consequences of their behavior? Can we allow our children, can we show, listen, moms, you need to let your boys be boys. You don't raise boys like girls, and you don't raise girls like boys. That's what I mean by that. Boys have to learn a certain way, and girls have to learn a certain way. Let your boy get out there and be confronted if need be. I'm not going to get too deep into that because, again, everyone gets all upset, but I'm trying to help you because we're losing the fight when it comes to this, man. That's why I love our Rangers and our girls ministry. I loved yesterday seeing those little girls sitting around and my daughter Lydia and Isaiah had doing worship with them in a circle. I love that. They were there, they were worshiping. They were, they, they, I, I love that. And you go to the Ranger class, it's just noise. <laughs> Nobody's sitting there. But you know what? Boys need that because this is what happens. When little Johnny takes the car from little Joseph, little Joseph said, give me my car back. <laughs> Boys need to be rubbed a little bit. Boys, because they're gonna find someone bigger when they get to a certain age. I can't say that enough, but that's not the point of this day. Let me keep going. Create a safe place for them to fail. Listen, the goal for your kids is not merely obedience. Hear me. It is for them to reach their full potential. Let's keep going. The last thing is the process. You know, there's two types of plants and flowers. There's the perennial and there's the annual. This psalm says right here, he says, you may see your children's children. An annual flower, maybe maybe you all know this. An annual flower is one of those that you plant every year and it dies. You replant it. A perennial is a plant or flower that you plant it once and it comes back. Season after season after season after season. You just need to know that this heritage called children, 
It takes a process. It takes a process. You see, a lot of times children will have the exact same personalities as their parents, but they will not have the same parental uh, standards as their parents. This is what this means. Usually if you grew up with kind of hands-off parents, you're going to be a hoverer, micromanager parent. If you had a parent that was just always there, catching you, then you're going to be very hands-off with your children. Statistics prove that. I didn't just make that up. Guys like Kevin Lehman, these guys bring this out in some of their books. And man, that is so true. You need to understand that these kids have to go through a process. You know that kid, especially if you have more than one, we have four, woo, yeah, more than one. That kid that you bump your head with the most of the time, that you just bump your head, they're the most this, that, you know what, they're the one that's just like you. <laughs> Y'all can clap, you don't have to clap, I'm just saying. One of my children is just like me. And we go head to head, toe to toe, Bible to Bible if we have to. And my wife said, looked at me and said, you know what your problem is? It's because you both are just the same. You're both just as stubborn. You're both just as hard-headed. I can't give it away. But listen, you need to understand that when they, when they get to this rough patch, they get to this rough patch, you may not have to be trying to win the argument. you got to see them through to the other side. I think the last parental tip is this. Let them just feel heard. One of my kids, well, I'll never forget this, and this was not too long ago. I was, you know, because I'm a lecturer, buddy, you do something, you got 40 minutes of me. You think I'm long-winded on Sundays? Come to my house. You're going to get a lecture. Well, one of my kids just said, Dad, just let me talk. And I didn't take that disrespectful. I, I stopped, and I listened, and I saw that, you know what, this child doesn't have the capacity to express itself properly. That was just the emotions overloaded. Sometimes you need to just let your kid be heard. How many of us would raise our hands and say, my mom and dad would never listen to me? We probably all would because we've all felt that way. Let your child be heard. You may not agree with what they say. You may have to correct what they say, but let them be heard. Amen? Sometimes they need a little more water, sometimes a little less water. You can overwater a flower and kill it just as much as you can underwater. Parents, everything doesn't have to be a lifelong lecture. I'm taking my own advice. Sometimes a joke is a joke. Sometimes a bad day is just a bad day. You know what I'm saying? The last thing is this. You have to choose your battles. And, and, and I really have three minutes, but I want to share with you two things. What do you do if you did all you know to do, all the stuff that I said, and your child still grows up and strays? That's a very real thing. Some of you are sitting in this room all month long, just disengaged because, you know what, maybe your family, did, maybe you raised your kids and they went to the world. Let me just tell you right now, first of all, don't carry that guilt. Can I release you from that? We all have things that I woulda, coulda, shoulda. We all have that. And you know what? Yeah, maybe you coulda did something different. But at the end of the day, every single person has to make their own mind if they're going to serve God or not. Amen. So can I just free you from that guilt? Amen. Everyone makes their own decision. But my mom, I'm going to, Josiah, are you here? I need you up here. I'm gonna use, he doesn't know about it. Come here, let me show you something. Can, can you guys give me five minutes? Just give me five minutes. Come on, buddy. When I was a kid, my mom always had plants in the house, and we had a plant that grew out as a vine. It's my son. I'm only using him because he's the only one shorter than me. <laughs> this don't work if he's bigger. Not for long. Yeah, he's getting up there. My mom had this plant, and I remember that we had a little dog that would always chew the leaves off, and it broke it. And I saw that my mom went in there one day, and she had a stick and a string. And she put this little stick next to the plant in the pot, and she took a string, and she tied it around the plant. And it looked all crazy. I said, Mom, what are you doing that for? 
I don't even know if mom remembers this. This was a long time ago. And she said, well, honey, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the wounded area and I'm folding it together so it can heal. And then I'm taking the string around the stick so it can continue to grow straight. Because if I don't, it may heal, but it's going to grow sideways. And I believe the Lord was saying this. When your plant is wounded and broken, instead of saying, see, I told you so, see this and that, hold this. Can you be broken? Give me some brokenness. Okay, that'll work. You take this plant, you take that broken child, and you be the stick in the ground. You be the stick of faith. You be the stick of the word. You be the stick that is not going to be moved. And you take that rope and you wrap it around that child. And you say, I'm going to love you. I'm going to believe for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to hope for you. Don't stop believing. Don't stop hoping. Don't stop praying. Don't stop loving. Don't stop because I'm in it for the long haul. And I'm going to be tied to you. Come hell or high water. Come good or bad. You're going to make it. Because you're flesh of my flesh. You're bone of my bone. And you're going to make it. So can I encourage you that it may seem, you may seem hopeless. Thank you, son. It may seem lost. But as long as there is breath in their lungs, they have promise of the grace of God. Keep praying. Keep believing. You think, you people look up here and you see our family. Our family was nuts. The man that Billy Markham was in prison for felonious assault. He was the calmest one of the bunch. My other uncle was in a card game. The guy was cheating. He shot him. The sheriff was there. Let him get away with it because they were all buddies. My, other, my dad's other uncle got into a fight, took his gun, shot the guy in his living room. Got away with it. He would come up. My, you all don't know some of the stories. So I, give, I say that to give you hope because maybe you say, you know what? I see what God has done in your family. Jesus did that. The craziest family can be used for the glory of God. Don't be discouraged because right now it looks bleak. Don't be discouraged because God can use it. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep believing. And the last thing is this. Pastor mentioned Jairus' daughter because I believe this is so powerful. Because I also had a plant in my yard that I thought was an annual. It was in a pot all by itself. When summer was over, I just let it die because I didn't think it was no big deal. It went all winter uncovered, untreated, unfertilized. The spring came. I'm fast forwarding the story. The spring came. I went out to that backyard. That thing shot up and grew over four feet tall, had blooms on it, blossoms on it. And I believe this story here, Jairus' daughter, I don't know if we have it on the screen, but in Luke chapter 8, do we have that one? In Luke chapter 8, you can read this. He says, while he was still speaking, someone came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. What's the next one? But when Jesus heard it, he said, do not be afraid, only believe. She will be made well. When he came to the house and permitted no one to go in except for James John, the parents. Next one. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but she is sleeping. Let me just throw this out to you, mom and dad. You might have a prodigal, and you might think they're dead, but is the words of the father in that story, they're not dead, they're just laying dormant right now. Just like that little plant that was in the backyard, it looked like it was dead. There was no fruit, there was no stem, there was no nothing, but it wasn't dead, it was just laying dormant. There is tissues in your body that if don't receive the blood flow, they go dead, but all it takes is a little bit of blood flow, and those cells come back to life. Those parts of your body come back to life. The same is done in your family. Keep praying because that kid is not dead. It's just dormant. Lastly, listen, maybe you don't have kids maybe, or maybe you're, you're past the season of children rearing. We have a scripture in Esther chapter 2 that was mentioned last week that Mordecai took Esther and raised him as his own. Look at that. Raised him 
as his own. Taking someone else and raising them as your own. You know, some of the most beautiful things in nature are wildflowers. You look over the pasture and you see these beautiful wildflowers that were never planted by a gardener. Monty Don wasn't there. They were there planted probably by a bee or a squirrel. They grow crazy. And they might be considered a pest to some, but God is looking for some people. And you know what I'm talking about. God is looking for some people that can take these wildflowers, a.k.a. kids, that have been lost by mom and dad. Maybe they live in an orphanage. Maybe they're in the foster care system. These, these people that are cast away from society, that are wildflowers. God is looking for somebody to take that plant and to brush the briars away and the roughness away and see the potential of this beautiful flower and maybe pull it out of the ditch and take it home to their garden where they can plant it and fertilize it and nurture it. Can I tell you that in this time, the family's being obliterated. It's time for the church to rise up and take those wildflowers that nobody wants, that might prick your finger, that might be hard to deal with and take those things and plant them in your garden. Maybe it is a foster care situation or an adoption situation. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just getting involved in rangers and being a dad to these other boys that don't have a dad or being a mom to those girls that don't have a mom or being in River Kids or finding that, that black sheep in the neighborhood and instead of scolding them, bring them into your garden and water them and feed them. Amen? Let's stand to our feet today. Worship team's gonna come or we're gonna end with this song, but last thing is for the kids. I preach for 40 minutes to the adults. Give me three minutes to the kids. All of our, a lot of our kids are here. If you're a kid, say, I'm a kid. Some of y'all are like 50 years old saying, I'm a kid. Listen, kids, on that same handout is something for you. I hope you got one. I want you to listen to me. There's four things I want you to know. Listen, I need you to understand that your parents love you and that they're for you. And you might not believe that right now, but listen, I tell my kids this all the time. There's nobody on this planet going to love you more than me and your mom, ever, ever. I need you to understand that. Number two, they are God's authority in your life. You may not like it, but they're God's authority in your life. Number three, God promised to bless you if you honor them. In Ephesians chapter six, it was already preached earlier this month. He says, children, obey your fathers and mothers and honor them. There's a difference. Go clean your room. Okay, you might have obeyed them, but you didn't honor them. So God's blessing's not gonna come your way. I don't know how else to say it. Even when they're older, when they're older and you're older, you ain't my mom and dad. You ain't tell me what to do. Listen, my mom and dad is still my mom and dad. I still treat their house with respect. I still treat them with respect. We had a, a family that was a single mom that was doing the best she could. She had these two twins, and they were rough, man, especially the boy. He would be out in the front yard screaming at his mom, calling her every name in the book, every name in the book, flipping her off, double time. I mean, this dude was bad. I would watch that and my parents would just say, don't you ever be like that boy. And the scripture kept coming to my mind, kept coming. I mean, and this went on for years. One day, he was a young man, still doing it, come out to the street. We lived on a one-way street. We had a drug dealer that lived next door. So sometimes when the car, like legit, so when cars would come, sometimes they had to leave in a hurry. One dude came up, this kid's out in the street, flipping his mom off cussing, the car hits him, boom, takes him out thought he died that scripture came to my mind he was my age you honor your mom and your dad and it will be well with you by the grace of God he didn't die and he got in church right after that straightened up let me encourage you with that kids and lastly know that they have your best interest at heart because Esther we just read about Esther Esther chapter 2 
The Bible says that she listened to Mordecai even though she wasn't a child. The Bible says that in those words. She listened to Mordecai as she did when she was a child. She was a full-grown woman, a princess of the king. And God used her to deliver the children of Israel. Let me just speak some wisdom into you guys. And maybe where else you're sitting. Honor your mom and your dad. Even if they're not honorable, honor that they're your parents. God will bless you for that. Amen? We're going to sing this song, and if you can be with your family, I would encourage you to do so, but maybe your kids are in River Kids, or maybe, maybe they're here, and you just, if you're close by, get with your family, and we're going to sing the bridge of this song, May His Favor Be Upon You, and I want you to take a moment, and then we're going to dismiss, but let's pray this and sing this over our families, and let's sing it with faith, amen? So grab your children, grab your spouse, or just picture them if they're not with you physically, and really get into this moment, come on. Just sing this over your children. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, and God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.